the Medical School HQ Podcast, Session 101. Hello and welcome to the Medical School Headquarters Podcast, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome back, if you've joined us before, and welcome back to my co-host, Dr. Allison Gray. Hello. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. If this is the first time you are joining us, listening to this podcast episode, There are a hundred other episodes that you can go listen to right now. I got an email just just today as we're recording this. I don't know if you saw this email, Allison, but uh, somebody wrote in stating they they stumbled upon our podcast and over the last six months have listened to all 100 podcasts. Mm -hmm, I saw that. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So... If this is the first time you're here, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. Go subscribe for free. Get our podcast every week on your iPhone, Apple device, anything you have. Or go listen to us on Stitcher, on your Android, and Windows phone. Um, If you're still rocking a a Discman, then I don't know what I can do for you, but good luck. (laughs) Fast forward to this century, (laughs) this decade, I should say. So today we're going to start off the next 100 podcasts talking about some qualities of physicians and some habits of physicians that really make them great physicians in the eyes of residents that they teach. And, and we'll talk about uh, all of that and, and the article. It's in the, the Academic Medicine Journal. But as we record this, it is October 2014, the very end of October, and the final test sessions for the quote-unquote old MCAT are coming upon us. January 2015 is the last time that you can take the old MCAT before the new MCAT rolls out in April of next year. And because I've gotten a lot of emails from students asking about how to best study for this last test, a lot of people are retaking it right at the last second. If you're lucky enough to have a seat in January and you're retaking it, that's awesome that there aren't a lot of seats at all, anywhere. Uh, some open up here and there when pe- people cancel. But what I did was because we're getting so many emails, I reached out to our friends at Next Step Test Prep, who we've had on the podcast before. Back in session 59, which you can listen to at medicalschoolhq.net slash 59, where I talk with Brian all about retaking the MCAT and, and how to best prepare yourself to retake it. And Next Step Test Prep is a test prep company. They are one-on-one tutors, and they are offering $100 off their tutoring program. It's usually $50 off when you mention that that you heard us, heard them through the podcast. But because everybody is kind of in this heightened state of anxiety, uh, I went out and I said, what's, what's the best you can do for the people that 
listened to the podcast and they said for these next couple months through January, if, if you're taking the test in January, get $100 off their tutoring package. If you just mentioned that you heard about it on the podcast or through the medical school headquarters. And one-on-one tutoring definitely isn't cheap, but I want to read something that one of our academy members had written to me. I asked her about her experience with Next Step Test Prep, and I'm not going to mention her name because I didn't ask her if I could read this, so I'm just going to read it um, without mentioning her name. But I asked her, and she said, I think they're an excellent resource. I had hit a major plateau studying on my own, and even with a study buddy, I felt like I wasn't making any more progress. I really enjoyed the webinar that you hosted, so I gave them a call. They Just as a break, they came on and did a webinar for our Academy members. That's what she's talking about there. They responded within one to two hours with a personal phone call to discuss my needs. The conversation was helpful and not at all like a sales call. Rich went over the options available and what might work best for me. It is It certainly is not cheap, but I feel like I received more value than what I paid for. She talked about the actual sessions, how they're done through Skype along with a whiteboard web app. My tutor, Jeff, was both extremely knowledgeable and an excellent teacher. For me, the latter was the most valuable aspect of Next Step. Jeff was very patient and never rushed through a topic or question that I was having trouble with. In contrast, one of the other big companies that she used was the worst was the worst with their teaching slash lecturing style, rarely offering more than one way of explaining a topic. For me, I think I needed both the structure and resources of this other big company and the personal guidance of Next Step to be prepared. So I hope that helps. Maybe a lot of you are in that similar situation where you went to another big company and didn't really get that personal teaching style that you needed. Go talk to the guys at Next Step Test Prep. They're at nextsteptestprep.com. Tell them you heard about them on the podcast or through the medical school headquarters and you'll get $100 off. All right. And good luck on the MCAT. And and you know what? If if you are are worried about taking the old MCAT and you are dreading the 2015, it will be okay. There's a lot of unknown with the new MCAT, but it's just another test. Yes, it'll be a little longer, but you will be okay. Yeah, with every generation of physicians, there will be a new test. Maybe not every generation, but we took an MCAT that certainly is no longer offered anymore. That was way back. The paper. Whoa, bubbles. <laughs> yeah. I guess we're anti-tree huggers, just wasting all that paper. True. But, yeah, yeah. well, we were we did what we were given, so... <laughs> But it will be okay. I second it, Ryan's sentiment. It will be okay. All right. And if you've used Next Step before, Next Step Test Prep before, let me know what you think about them. Ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. All right. So today I had mentioned we're going to talk about some qualities, some habits of physicians that really make them great in the eyes of the residents they work with. And this comes from the September issue of Academic Medicine. And It's titled, the article is titled, Attitudes and Habits of Highly Humanistic Physicians. And it's the the authors of the article are Carol Cho, Catherine Kellum, and Judy Shea. Allison, why don't you explain what humanism really means in this sense? 
Well, humanism, and they, I'll quote here because the beginning of uh, this paper gives us the definition of humanism. And, and this is important because why are we talking about this? Well, this is what humanism is. So they quote human, or I quote, humanism and medicine combines scientific knowledge and skills with respectful, compassionate care that is sensitive to the values, autonomy, and cultural backgrounds of patients and their families. And uh, Dr. Cho, uh, Kellum, and Judy Shea, they uh, actually pulled that definition from the Arnold P. Gold Foundation, which is a society that's all about humanism and medicine. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. So that's what humanism is about. Um, and you can imagine if you're out there as a pre-med thinking about what it means to be a doctor, why you think you want to be a doctor. If you, if you think about that definition, that sounds pretty good, right? Yeah, especially in today's day and age of autonomy with patients. Mm -hmm. And this day and age of, of technology, of the surplus of technology we have that we have to uh, constantly think about the human side of what we do. Uh, so... That's that's where this is starting with. And then uh, what? Well, we can talk about what they did. So uh, in 2011, the authors polled uh, 161 internal medicine residents, all of the internal medicine residents at UPenn in, in June of that year and asked all of these residents to nominate up to three attending physicians who they believed uh, served as excellent role models for the humanistic care of patients. And of those, 74% uh, responded. And uh, they then invited the most frequently nominated physicians uh, from those residents uh, to participate in interviews to really understand, well, what is it about these physicians that makes them such great role models for these residents? Yeah. And so out of the 90 or so that ended up being, actually, it looks like 100 here, they, they ended up with uh, 100 physicians that they ended up polling and, and talking to and interviewing, the general demographics are about 40 years of age, 56% female, 44% male. And so I, I actually, I just said um, 100 physicians there. It was actually 100% I was reading. Apparently, I don't know how to read very well. <laughs> but out of, out of the physicians that they had, they're 40% or the average age was 40, and like I said, 56% uh, were female, 44% were male. That's, at least I know how to add, that adds up to 100. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so they, they broke it down into two different main categories, uh, the, the themes and sub-themes of these 16 physicians and uh, internal medicine attendings to be more specific between attitudes and habits. And as we go through these attitudes and habits, if, if you're pre-med, start thinking about these now. Think about how you can start honing some of these attitudes and habits. Start looking for these attitudes and habits in physicians that you're shadowing. See if there's a trend or some commonalities between the physicians that you really like and want to be like when when you are older and when working as a physician and see if they match some of these attitudes and habits. And, and it would be interesting to kind of test these in, in the real world that um, the authors of this article kind of pulled out of all these interviews. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead and start, Allison, with the six sub-themes that represent attitudes that sustain humanism. 
All right. So the first one that they talk about is humility. And it's interesting because when I think back uh, to one of our very early podcasts, this was something that we talked about. And I believe uh, one of the the traits that all pre-meds should have, or I think I, actually it was one of the, the traits that everyone should have a, as a physician, that you should have as, as a physician. Humility is something we also talked about. So, um, but yes, it's, so what is humility? Uh, it's, basically uh modesty it's it's being uh humble <laughs> right yeah uh and if you think about uh a doctor that you would want a doctor who you'd want taking care of you or a family member i don't think anyone would would ask for or want someone who who puts themselves above others and, and arrogance no arrogance. right arrogance and some people argue that uh, like a surgeon needs to have some amount of arrogance. We've talked about confidence. this before too. Right, confidence. but that's the key thing. It's yeah. confidence, not arrogance. So having humility, being able to to be humble. I um, There's a story I like to tell. Uh, I saw an attending physician once in the ER when I was shadowing Beck as a pre-med and he was uh, helping in a very critical situation with a patient and he, he uh, walked away for a moment and, and took uh, a carton of urine away to to dispense you know, to dispose of it and one of the residents said doctor so and so you don't need to do that and he said we all have a, a part to play and and this is something that needs to get done yep. and that was it so yep humility there's there's no job that's that's too small there's uh it's it's a good thing to be humble as yeah. a physician and that was back in session seven that we talked about that, the 10 traits that you need to succeed in medical school. And I guess you can extrapolate that to medical school, uh, residency, and and life in general. Yeah. And, you know, I love what they, one of the quotes in here, one of the Hemonk uh, attendings, who talks about the fact that every single patient can teach you something. So sometimes we cruise through rotations or moments in our education and as a pre-med and medical school and beyond when you think, oh, well, I already know this or I'm, you know... X, Y, and Z about this, but she's saying, reminding us all, have the humility to realize that you can, uh, you can learn something, you can be taught on an ongoing basis from from every patient encounter you have. Yep, and that kind of drives along to the next attitude, and that's curiosity. And curiosity, we we say in medicine all the time, and and I, I my own personal opinion is. Every career is like this, but in medicine, we say you have to be a lifelong learner. And I think in life, you, you need to be a lifelong learner if you want to be successful in anything you do. But it's very important as a physician because things change. We have new research that comes out and says, oh, we've been doing it wrong this whole time. We need to change. And there's new medications every day that you, need, you can start prescribing to patients. And if you're kind of stuck in the times, then then you're doing your patients some disservice. So you really have to have that drive to be curious and learn from each of those patients if you let them. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very important. There's a, a quote, and, and I'm going to butcher it, but it's it's something about the the moment you think you've learned it all is is the moment that that you've decided to to die or something. I, I, I forget the, the, the meaning of the quote, but it's basically like, if you think you've learned it all, then you might as well just go dig a hole and, and bury yourself because there's, there's not much left in life. Ah, and there's a quote, a quote by Jace O'Neill that says, if you think, you know, everything, you know, nothing. If you think, you know, nothing, you know, something. 
There you go. <laughs> that's, that's a powerful quote too. Yep. So right. the next habit or the next attitude. So standard of behavior. So uh, f- this this part talks about how uh, some of these physicians attributed their humanistic behavior to a desire to sort of be the right, to, to behave the right way, um, to emulate that. Uh, so basically to keep in mind that these are the ways uh, that people want to be cared for, I'm going to embody that. I'm going to em- embody uh, what it is to be a caregiver for uh, for the for people who who want to be cared for. Did that make sense, Ryan? Is that it's almost like the golden rule applied to practicing medicine? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's it's it's, but I think it's also um, it's sort of carrying yourself uh, in the shoes or walking in the steps of someone who. Um, you think should act a certain way. So it's, it's, it's practicing medicine in the way that you think other people uh, think that you should be acting. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a, a circuitous thing. I'm not really <laughs> making sense. Am I? <laughs> yeah, that's all right. <laughs> well, basically let me read you what they said because she can explain it. She or he, whoever this was can explain it better. Basically saying many physicians attributed their humanistic behavior to a desire to emulate the quote, the right way to behave keeping in mind the basic values of how people should be cared for and being motivated to do what is correct and proper for the person in front of you. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're wanting to be trusted. We're, we're wanting uh, people to put their faith in us. And so we need to emulate what, what people uh, come to the doctor for yeah. to be wanna, that person. We want to live up to their standards. Yes. Thank you. Perfect. The, the next attitude on here is importance for the patient medically. And it took me a second to, to kind of understand what that meant. And, and then I read it a little bit more. It says, at least half of the physicians acknowledge that treating a patient humanistically is important for the patient medically. So basically, they're saying that treating the patient more as a human and more humanistically actually helped their outcomes better. And, and I, I think I would never argue that because we talk about the importance of the connections that you build with physicians for how well patients end up doing. Mm-hmm. It's very, very important and something that if you take one thing from this podcast, I think that might be the most important one is... is because we're all in this to treat patients, if we understand that the way that we treat them physically and mentally actually helps them medically, then why don't we do more of that better? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they talk about understanding the social context that a person comes from. So uh, if you, for example, they give here that a gastroenterologist was seeing a patient who uh, is coming in needing a paracentesis every two weeks, meaning needing fluid drained from their abdomen. And uh, the patient is telling the the doctor, well, um, you know, I'm not eating any salt. And the doctor's saying, well, then why are you coming in every two weeks needing that? So the whole point of this is that the patient doesn't have the support of family. And so it's it's understanding that background about what it what social structure, what what environment is that patient living in um, and what supports do they have on the outside? And again, Ryan and I have talked about this before too. Uh, just reflecting back, we we sometimes are so quick in our 
we're, we're focused so much on the diagnosis and the treatment and, and all of the medical part of it that we're, we're forgetting that in order to, to have this patient succeed, to have their health, to, to benefit their health and, and them as a person, we have to think about them in the larger context of where we send them back to after we discharge them from the hospital or after we say goodbye to them and they leave the office. Because if they don't have what they need um, from a, a physical and emotional and psychological sort of support after they leave us, then all of these things that we want to do for them may be a complete and utter failure. So we need to really understand the person, the, 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 the human being underneath um, the disease and, and all of the other stuff that we're trying to fix. Yeah, I agree. Talk about the next one, the importance for the, the physician. So this next one is talking about the importance really of the doctor-patient relationship and how important it is to really get to know your patients. So in a similar, it's a little bit similar to the one we just talked about, which is understanding sort of where the patient comes from and, and their situation. But this is even more about the relationship itself and how important it is to really get to know your patients on a different level, not just as, oh, this is my seventh patient who I take care of who has MS. No, this is Mr. So-and-so who has three daughters and lives in this town and, and I know he's a carpenter and it's really understanding the human being there and the person. And that's one of the beauties um, of outpatient care that I've gotten to learn about um, in, in practice now. And, and I love that. I love that when I, I uh, look at my list of patients for the next day or the next week and I see that so-and-so is coming and I think, oh, and I wonder about how... X, Y, or Z has gone on in the last year for them in their family or what's going on with, with their son who's now in medical school. Or, I mean, it's, it's such a different level of caring that you, I think you bring to um, the whole encounter as a physician when you really, you know that patient on a much deeper level and their family and you really look forward to seeing them and, and hearing not just about what's going on with them medically, but about who they, how, how their life is. Yeah. And it's interesting when when we talk about these and we read all of these attitudes, they all kind of have this underlying theme of being more than just a physician to these patients, being more than just the person that prescribes them chemotherapy or cuts out a tumor or whatever it may be. It's actually <clears throat> being a person and connecting with these people on a more personal level. And that's the the last one here is the role of physician of a physician as treating more than just the disease. You're not the person like like I just said prescribing chemotherapy. You're the cheerleader as it says here. You are that safe place for patients to talk about different parts of their life that maybe they don't have that kind of outlet to talk about. And so that it gives you that opportunity to let the patient really connect with you and 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 get stuff out of their head out of their 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 mind and and out in the open and and help them start healing or doing whatever they need to do which is why they're seeing you absolutely we have such a a great responsibility as physicians uh in terms of providing this care and and being healers and we we it we take for granted so much of the time that patients get naked in front of us and they tell us their deepest fears and they cry and they they laugh they show all types of emotion with us and we have the privilege and responsibility of being able to care for these people 
And so it's uh, so important. And, and it's interesting because when that phrase more than just the disease, what comes to mind immediately for me is the DO philosophy, which is all about this holistic way of thinking. I like to think as an allopathic trained physician that we all share that view, that we all like to view our patients in a holistic fashion and, and not, you know, oh, that's again, you know, my my MS patient or my I don't know, my migraine patient. No, it's Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so with, with whatever they're, they're battling. Yeah. So those are the attitudes of these humanistic physicians. The next part of the article talks about the, the habits. And let's, let's work through those and talk about, talk about those. The first one is self-reflection. It talks about Almost all of the interviewed physicians reported actively engaging in self-reflection. And one of the quotes here says, I'll do this almost on a daily basis. Take that time to take us to step back and think about what's really happened, what I could have done better and how I could have done things differently. And I I listen to a lot of, I guess you would call it quote unquote self-help kind of stuff, things that kind of make you think better and be better. And almost all of them talk about this self-reflection, whether it's waking up early in the morning and meditating and thinking about this kind of stuff or doing it in the middle of the day or at at an ad hoc kind of basis when you can. They all talk about this self-reflection, and I'm glad that it was brought up here as a habit. I think one of the the hardest things to do as a physician, especially as a medical student and as a resident when you're going through the day-to-day routine of of medicine, especially as a resident when you're going nonstop for 12 hours in a day, you don't take that time to have that self-reflection. And I think that is one of the factors that leads to this burnout and being a little bit bitter towards the establishment and patients because you're not taking that step back and going, you know what? What did I actually do here today? How did I make somebody else's life better? How did I make my life better? I think it's a very important thing that that everybody should be doing, especially as a pre-med medical student resident and beyond. Absolutely. And it's also part of that course correction that we talk about at every stage of your journey, whether you're a pre-med or medical school, medical student or resident that and and as an attending constantly to to always be self-reflecting, always being introspective. It's yeah. how it's how we improve. It's how we make uh, patients' lives better. Make our lives better. If you if you never self reflect, then you sort of you're missing everything. I think because mm-hmm. how can you even really? Um, how do you improve? How do you improve? How do you really know what's going on? Yeah. Unless you're constantly asking someone else, which doesn't really work well. No. <laughs> So the next one here is about connecting with patients. And I think this is a, a little bit along the same lines, Ryan, in that uh, it's it's looking for a way to connect with people. Now, we talked just about self-reflection. Okay, well, now how do we connect with other people? And a lot of these physicians believe that that uh, part of sustaining this this humanistic quality is about seeking a really powerful connection with with patients. And for a lot of us as physicians, that's really what it, it comes down to what it means to be a doctor and, and a healer. Uh, it's it's where that meaning lies. And so uh, I know for me, uh, connecting with my patients, I try to connect with them 
certainly on a deeper level. And uh, I tried to to get to know them. And, um, you know, it's hard. I mean, in the confines of, of the time we have every day. I mean, it was hard as a, a resident. It's hard as an attending. But but part of what what makes that journey and and continues to to make that journey fulfilling and rewarding is, is getting to know these people too. Um, and, and building on that connection and, and getting to know them. It's, I mean, it's, I remember the first time that a patient gave me a gift in the office and I thought, well, gosh, I mean, I felt sort of sheepish, but I, I mean, and then when I was pregnant, people brought gifts uh, for me for the baby. And I thought, well, you know, it's, it's, it's humbling. I mean, because it's just, and, and I care when I think back to, and I think about, you know, my practice and the patients I have, I mean, I think about the people and, and how much I care about them as individuals and what happens to them. And I can't say that I felt that way all the time as a resident. And, and like you said, Ryan, it's hard in, in certain uh, in the constructs of everything you're dealing with. But I think it's something that you certainly want to strive for all the time. If you're a pre-med out there and you're you're shadowing or you're volunteering in the ER, you're scribing, I mean, take those moments to try to find a connection with people because I can guarantee you, that that's the other thing, I can guarantee you that when people are in the hospital and they're having some of the worst times of their lives and their families uh, are having some of the worst times of their lives, that what they will remember when they leave and the patient is discharged or the patient passes away uh, is they will remember those conversations that they had with you, those family meetings, those, those moments um, where you just, you know, talked person to person. They're not going to remember, you know, necessarily all the details of the MRIs and the labs and the food they ate and this or that. They're going to remember those, those times when you sat with them and talked with them. And so they, they might remember the food, well, how bad true. it was. It's usually really bad, but <laughs> But the point is that uh, it, those those meetings, those those moments are are so important, and um, you you want to do what you can for your own self fulfillment, but also for for their care to De- try to connect with people. Definitely. The next habit, <clears throat> the next habit on here is teaching and role modeling, and I think this is another excellent one, and and one it's almost like the the do as I say, not as I do thing, but the opposite. So these attendings are finding that knowing that they are responsible for the medical students and the residents and their attitudes and behaviors helps them sustain this humanism in in their own lives and in their own practice. And so they're trying to be great role models for those that they're training, and it helps them to keep it up themselves. And, and I think that's an awesome part of it. So always understanding that some somebody is always watching you. And so being that person who you are telling them to be is, is very important. <clears throat> Absolutely. So the next one. So the next one is about balance. And this is so important at every stage of, of your journey and, and your life as a physician. And uh, what what does balance mean? Well, so having balance throughout your life, being able to give at work and give at home and give and all of the different aspects of your life. And, and what some of these physicians talked about is that if uh, basically you have to be able to find that work-life balance to be able to sustain your work uh, at, on the job. <clears throat> and if you don't, that 
a lot of these people find that or have found that they can't, they can't give anymore because if you, if you're, if you don't achieve that balance and, and you're just all out at work and, and you can't uh, decompress anywhere, you're not exercising, you're not having time with your family, your friends to, to decompress, then, then you burn out and then you can't give anymore uh, at work. And so it's, it can be become hard to function. That's when you become that's when you can become resentful and cynical. And so always striving for balance, even when you have those five or 10 other notes to write or you're behind in your work or you're, I mean, always striving for balance. And we all struggle with that, but it's so, so important. And we're kind of almost forced nowadays with residency, at least, to to find better balance with residency duty hour restrictions before when it was 72 hours of call, it was almost like that badge of honor that, that you were there for three days straight and you you saw patients and you did everything and you had no balance at all. And now we're getting away from that understanding how bad it really is for all of us, including the patients. And so we're, we're kind of forcing people into that balance, which is very important. So the next one is mindfulness and spiritual practices. And we'll kind of touch on this a little bit, but I, I think everybody has their own way of of finding this, whether you're religious or not religious or spiritual or not spiritual, but some way of finding connections with the patients or with somebody uh, higher in your life that, that helps you with everything. But... Um, it's, it's a very important thing. And, and I almost want to go back to that self-reflection part too, that we talked about earlier, how the meditating in the morning and just being, just being mindful of everything around you. And, and again, building those bonds with the patients and, and whatever else in your life that, that you think you need or do need. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what came to mind for me when I read this section was about self-reflection. Because that can mean anything. It can, if you're a spiritual person, it can mean being thinking about God. And if you're, if you don't, if you're not, don't have sort of a faith based uh, mind, then then maybe it's something else. But for everyone, we can always self reflect. Gator football. Oh jeez, I don't think that's what they were aiming for. But <laughs> no. whatever floats your boat. So the next one here is is being intentional. So being intentional at work, uh, and um, how does that sustain us? Well, so. Some of these physicians talk about how uh, maintaining their what they'll basically actively try to seek out experiences and, and encounters that will help them maintain that same humanistic outlook that they're that they're trying to model and trying to to um, embody every day. And so one of the the physicians quoted here, and I love this. Uh, she said, "I can sense the part of the patient that's like me that deserves to be cared for and respected and loved." And so when I'm in the room with the patient, I'm really striving to feel that part. It's definitely not random. It's a conscious choice I make. And uh, another uh, internal medicine uh, physician said, I've trained my mind to not think ahead and not be in the past when I'm face-to-face with a person, just fully present. I realized how amazing it has made my ability to connect with people and care for them. So they're actively looking for these experiences of, of uh, being that humanistic physician, of trying to embody a, a, care, a caring individual, a caregiver, um, and really maintaining that as a priority as they care for their patients. 
and uh, other other physicians talk about how they they travel the world and they they uh, serve underserved populations because it continues to ground them in in this humanistic philosophy. And uh, so, however you choose to pursue your career, whomever you deserve uh, decide to serve in terms of a patient population, you can continually reground yourself in in that philosophy. It, you know, it doesn't have to be um, in another country; it can be right here in the states. Um, but it's it's in each encounter looking for for what for that human being across from you and trying to to. Um, to actively seek that out versus sort of just saying, well, you know, I, I like to be humanistic and leave it at that. You know, yeah. they're really, they're really trying to, to, to live this, not just, just say that they're living it. Yeah. And it's interesting. They, they had that, the intentional work at habits, not as a habit, but as an, this other sub theme, but I think intentionally working at a habit is a habit in of itself. So kind of could fit in both. The another theme here they have is the environmental support to sustain humanism, and I think you touched on this a little bit. But it's it's basically the t- the the team around you, and we talk about teamwork in medicine all the time on on this podcast. But it says three fourths of the physicians indicated that people in their environment, whether it's physician colleagues, nurses, chaplains, and uh, residents, are important to them to sustain this humanism that the support that they're getting from their colleagues and, and everybody else is is very important and i i think that just goes back to uh, having a, a support structure having somebody else to to kind of lean on when you need help and and maybe emulating some of these traits and, and attitudes that these other people are having that you can kind of see yourself yeah and the last uh, theme that they talk about here is humanism as an antidote to burnout, which I think is so important. Some of you out there and, and physicians too in general might think, well, I am already so busy. How am I possibly now going to also make time to think about being humanistic and think about caring and, and think about all this? I just need to get through my work and get the job done and get home. And what this part is talking about is that if you really try to to be humanistic, you try to to put the patient, the, the human side of them first, that that's actually how you move through the day, maybe more quickly, but also in a better way that you leave that day feeling more fulfilled. The patients that you take care of are going to be better served so that it's actually the opposite, that if you look at each day with, with each patient individual as an individual, and you really try to, to care for each each person individually that it'll actually be a much better day and you probably won't leave the day feeling as burned out by just, oh, seven cases of mesothelioma or seven cases of whatever you're treating. Um, there's redundancy. That's the other thing about this, which um, which I think about. I always tell people uh, when you're trying to pick a specialty that there's redundancy in all of medicine, so you better love your organ, whatever organ it is that you choose to pursue. <laughs> um, but so with with that redundancy what what is what makes medicine not redundant it's the people part of it it's the patients Definitely. right it's it's getting to know them and and that's what you remember i agree so i think this was a little excellent article not a little but <laughs> where are you going with little yeah. it's it was little an, it was an excellent article that i i think we hopefully did it justice to to let you know as a pre-med, as a medical student, as a resident, 
what you can start doing now, now that you know some of this information, take it and, and run with it. And if you think you have some habits or attitudes that are contradictory to what they talked about here, start thinking about that and, and start working on those attitudes and habits to to help better put you in a situation that when you're on the, the flip side of, of all of this training, you will be a happier, more productive uh, physician. Mm-hmm. And I think if you start thinking about these attitudes and, and habits from a very, from, you know, really as early as you can, uh, the likelihood that you'll burn out later is, is a lot less. Uh, it's never too early to start embodying these ideals and and to start really um, developing these attitudes. And you, these don't have to be. We're, we're certainly not saying you you have to be curious and you have to do all these things that we just laid out. But but if you look, I mean, this is pretty evidence based. These are physicians and uh, who really are 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 loving what they do and are walking away each day happy and fulfilled and providing great care. And so. Um, and the residents that, again, bringing back, bringing back to the beginning of this article, the, these are residents who who nominated these people because they they see them, they work with them, and they think that they're such great role models as physicians. So it's never too early to start thinking about uh, what makes a great physician and and start trying to to really live by those ways of being as a pre med and then as a med student. You'll just carry that with you and develop it further as a physician. I agree. That was awesome. Thank you, Allison, for joining us here another week on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I, I have to say I'm I'm just delighted and, and honored that um, here I am on the first of the, the second hundred episodes on the Medical School HQ podcast. Yes. So coming up, we'll have a lot of interviews with some other people. So if you like having Allison on, don't fret. She will be back, but she will take a little hiatus as we talk to some interesting people to come. And to get those podcasts, if you haven't yet, go subscribe medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes or slash Stitcher, whatever your player of choice. Get the podcast on your device every Wednesday for free. If you love the podcast or if you just love Allison, go leave us a rating and review. That would be the best thing for you to do for us to show that you like our podcast, you can go to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes and leave a rating and review there. We have a bunch of new ones recently, a bunch of new five-star reviews. Fiery Doctor 2021 said, so grateful. BJ Has Jim has, says, a must listen. Uh, Epistemist, Epistemist says, wonderful podcast. I thought you were going to read these once. So hard to read. You just don't want to put your name. I know. JS <laughs> Move Co. Oh, says, no. I just think this is great. I, I'm definitely not going to be reading them. Says we'll excellent for non traditional <laughs> students. And Ezra A says essential for the pre med experience. So thank you to those. Thank you guys so much. Listeners that I'm just I'm just laughing at Ryan because, you know. Yeah, whatever. I can do that. <laughs> Anyway, but really, we're just grateful for those amazing reviews. We uh, we still get so excited every time we see one. We're we're just yeah. really grateful to you guys. We get an email every time somebody leaves a review in iTunes. So we love those emails. Thank you for doing that. If you want to say hi to me, I am on Twitter. I'm at Medical School HQ. You can shoot me an email, Ryan at Medical School HQ dot net or Allison at Medical School HQ dot net. 
if for some reason you want to say hello to her. I don't know why. Oh, burn. <laughs> she's, I, I would give you her Twitter handle, but she's not on there. You, you can definitely email me. I'm good with email. There we go. All right. I hope that episode was good for you. It was fun for us. I hope you learned a lot from it. And as always, I hope you join us next time here at the medical school headquarters.